Proverbs chapter number three, verse number one. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, the Bible says, my son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. And, uh, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be it shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, and the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again, Lord, for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, you just help us, Lord, to open up our hearts tonight, Lord, and ask you, Lord, just to pour your word into it tonight, Lord, and Lord, let it cleanse us, God, let it challenge us, God, let it convict us, or let it encourage us and strengthen us and grow us tonight. Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for your word. Lord, we know that it's alive, that it's sharper, it's quicker than any two-edged sword. Lord, it, it pierces to the dividing asunder, to the marrow, the, the, the bones and the joints, Lord. And Lord, it gets deep down in there, Lord, and that's exactly what you want it to do. And God, that's exactly what we need it to do tonight. And I pray, Lord, this evening, God, that we just, Lord, listen on purpose Lord, not just to the preacher, but God, to the very words of God tonight. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, again one more time for wisdom. And God, we've come again on Wednesday night. God, we're seeking wisdom, searching for it, asking for it, begging for it. We pray, Lord, in the world that we live in, God, would you give us wisdom. We might live a life that brings glory and honor to your name. Lord, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We'll give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. We come now to the third chapter, and as I've been going through this, every time we've gotten the word my son, my son, we've called it parental advice, and we'll keep that theme tonight as we deal with uh, this, this subject. This, but the more I get to reading about this son, my son, my son, my son, matter of fact, chapter number three is devoted to my son, broken up into three different parts. He's speaking to his son, but verse number one of chapter number three has begun to, to, to lead me to think that his son was a teenager. Well, preacher, why would you say that? Uh, why, why would you say, well, look what he's telling him in verse number one. My son, forget not my law, right? And there's something, I remember going through that stage and, and, and sitting there and listening to my parents talk to me and lecture me and I was listening to them, but I wasn't hearing them, right? Here he is, he's only two chapters in and he knows who he's talking to. He's all right, son, everything I've told you, you better not forget it. Don't Forget it, because he knows who he's talking about. Now, oftentimes in our life, right, when, we, when we pose that towards someone, we say, hey, don't forget what I've told you. We automatically jump into the negative side of it, right? Listen, if you forget what I've told you, what I've taught you, what I've instructed you, uh, and then it's, you're on your own, right? It brings us to a place of aggravate. Why can't you just get it? Why, why do you keep forgetting what I've told you to do? We'll say things like that. Well, you just go ahead and make a wreck of your life. Right? If you're not going to listen to me, just go make a wreck of your life. You're not going to listen to me, don't call me when you get in trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still remember my dad saying, you ever go to jail, don't call me, I ain't coming to get you. 
So I tried my best to stay out of jail, amen, because I knew he wasn't coming. And where one day I'm going to be able to look at you and I, and I'm going to say, I told you so. You should have listened to me. And listen, those things might be right, right? You're giving sound advice. You're giving sound wisdom. And if it is neglected, then we know that the outcome's not going to be good. But here, the, the writer of Proverbs, Solomon, writing to his son, he says, son, don't forget my law. Don't forget what I've taught you, what I've instructed you. But instead of going to the negative side of it, right, the, the, if you don't listen to me, you're going to wreck your life. He said, if you do listen to me and you do listen to what God has taught us, what God has told us here, it won't only save you from a, a, a wrecked life, but at the same time, there are blessings that are tied to it. There are good things that come when you and I seek wisdom, listen to wisdom, and then apply wisdom in our life, right? Yes, we don't have to, and we know the outcome. But at the same time, it's one thing to, to know not what what to do, but it's just as important to know what to do, right, and, and how to do it. And here's the thing, the blessings really that, that come from wisdom are a far better motivator, or at least they should be, than the opposite side, the negative, right, because really there's more on the blessing side than there is on the negative side. But here's the thing, in order for you and I to step back and say, hey, listen, you need to follow God. You need to live for God. You need to seek wisdom, find wisdom, and apply wisdom. If we're going to tell somebody else to do that, then we better be doing it ourselves. Right? It doesn't make no sense for me to walk up to my children and say, listen, when you get old, when you grow up, right now, where you are, you need to serve God. Now, that's a good statement. But if they look at me and they say everything in my life, or see everything in my life is opposite of what I'm telling them, I might as well be talking to the wall. Right, because they're looking at me and they're going to say, well, Daddy, if it's so good, then why aren't you doing it? How come you're not doing it, Daddy? How come you're not seeking wisdom and following wisdom and applying it in your everyday life? And here's the thing. We know that Solomon did that, right? He asked God for wisdom. But here's the thing. In order to, in order to, to continue to guide them, you can't just, hey, serve God. Well, what does that entail? What does that look like? How do you do that? You must be able and, and willing to explain why. Why is it important to do that? And here Solomon's going to tell that to his son. Here's why you need to find wisdom and seek wisdom and, and not forget it, but you also need to be able to speak from experience. I don't know about you, one of the greatest motives, I love Christian biography, I love Christian books, I love Christian biographies, specifically missionary stories of what they go through and how they went through and how they were faithful and how God used them. And something, their experience, right, they, they, they have lived by faith, it motivates me and encourages me. And so if it's so good, then we have to make sure that we're doing it ourselves, right? We're not just telling them how to do it and why to do it, but they're seeing it in our everyday life. And here Solomon tells him three things to not, to not forget, right? Three things that every Christian doesn't need to forget, or should not forget. Every Christian should not forget the following truths because of the following blessings that are attached. And notice he said, forget not my law, let, my, let thine heart keep my commandments. So number one tonight, the first thing we should not forget is don't forget to treasure his word. Don't forget to treasure his word. Right there in verse number one, he says, keep my commandments. Now, we talked about this a few months ago, a year or so ago, when we, we came across, I don't remember what, what series, what we were in, but we talked about this. It might have been Psalm 119, that word keep. 
And that phrase, keep my commandments, it's not a mere performance, right? It's not just simply doing something out of obligation, doing something uh, because we know it's what the Bible says, but our heart's not in it, right? It's, but rather, it's a guarding or a treasuring of what? He said, the commandments, the word of God. And so we have to ask ourselves, well, what does that look like? How could you explain the difference between just merely performing something or treasuring something? Imagine tonight, you, I've just given you a brand new Corvette. Now, we're all dreaming, right? Because preacher ain't got the money to give everybody a brand new Corvette. But imagine I just gave you a brand new Corvette, and you're driving it into the parking lot, and you love that car, you like that car, it's a great car, it's your favorite color, it sounds nice, drives nice, everybody turns their head when you come by, and you just absolutely are, are treasuring this car. And you pull up to Walmart, because everybody that drives a Corvette goes to Walmart. And so you go to Walmart, and there's only one parking spot, but you're going to have to squeeze in there. It's tight. I'm talking about your mirrors are barely going to have enough room. Now, if you really treasure that car, you're not just going to slap it in there because that's what everybody does. They, they pull into a parking spot when they go to Walmart. No, if you're like me, I'm going to say, you know what? I don't think I have anything I got to get at Walmart today. Why? Because we treasure that thing, right? It's valuable to us. I'm that way and I don't even have a Corvette. I'll do that with the minivan, amen? <laughs> I want to take that thing up. My, my favorite parking spot in every parking space in America is right next to where you put your cart back at because I'm lazy, amen? I don't want to walk all the way across there. But notice the Christian life isn't mere obligation, right? We don't read our Bibles, we don't pray, we don't go to church, we don't tell people about Jesus and share the gospel out of mere obligation, right? It's just we're going through the motions. No, we are to treasure the Christian life. We are to treasure God's word. It's not just a good book, it is God's book and it's God's wisdom, it's God's knowledge and it's God's instructions on how to live the Christian life. And so the Christian life isn't a mere obligation, but obedience is tied to a heart that treasures the word of God. Preacher, how can I know that I'm treasuring God's word? You don't want to do anything else besides what it teaches and what it tells you, what it instructs you, what you find in it. He said, don't forget to keep my commandments, right? He says, hey, keep my commandments and he says, here's why, verses three through four, verses two through four, he gives the why. This is why you need to keep the commandments, why you need to treasure God's word. Number two, notice what his word adds. Look at verse number two. For length of days and long life in peace shall they add to thee. Right, that, that's a good list right there. Well, what does it add? It adds length of days, right? Well, you're saying, preacher, if I follow God's word and I follow wisdom and I apply it in my life, my days are going to get longer. You mean I'm going to have more than 24 hours in one day? Well, no, we know it's been 24 hour days since the beginning of time. We understand that beginning of creation in Genesis, amen. I'm a, I'm a biblical literal. Literalist, amen. I believe when God said day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven, they were 24 literal hour, 24 hours literally every day, if that makes any kind of sense. I'm, I'm saying it was one singular day, right? I'm not, I'm not a gap theorist, amen. I'm not thinking there's a big gap between day one and get day two, but there, there were literally seven consecutive 24-hour days. And so when we take God's wisdom and God's word, we plan our life, it's not that you're going to get 25 hours, amen, or 26 hours. Now, sometimes you're like, wish I could have that that way, right? I could add a couple hours 
to my day, but rather when we take God's word and we apply it to our life, it'll help us to structure and, and to schedule our days, right? In essence, so we, we will get up and, and, and we will, we'll get about the Father's business. We'll, we'll, we'll do what we need to do. We'll do it heartily as unto the Lord, right? In essence, it doesn't make your day longer, but rather it gives you a more effective day, right? It's not just a great spiritual book, but the Bible also helps us with practical things in our Christian life. Did you know that the word of God deals with things like laziness? Deals with things like uh, slothfulness, complacency. Uh, and it, it, it teaches productivity. It teaches uh, preparedness and punctuality. All of that is in the word of God. And yet so many times we'll sit back and we'll say, man, I ain't got enough hours in the day. I just, I just can't do all this kind of things. But if we were to step back and say, and say well, what does my schedule look like, right? Am I allowing God's word to teach me and give me wisdom on how to schedule my day? Am I starting my day off with him or I'm catching up with him in the evenings right before I go to bed? It teaches us all those things, how to get the most out of each day. And so we have to ask ourselves, am I taking God's wisdom and applying it to my everyday schedule, my everyday life? And if I do it, it'll add a length of days. But also this, it'll give you a long life. Look at verse number two, and long life. Well, preachers, some of the greatest Christians I've ever known, some great people that I've known, they, they love the Lord, they serve the Lord, and they dropped dead before they were 40. So they must have been using wisdom, right? They must not have been applying God's word. Well, that's not what I'm saying, because I don't think that's what the Bible's teaching. But rather, when you take God's word, once again, on the physical side, of the practical side of it, you take God's laws and God's, God's teaching, and you go, you go through the dietary laws of Leviticus, and back there in Exodus, as the nation of Israel was traveling through, oh, did you know, here's the, all those things God told them not to eat. You, I understand we're under grace tonight, right? I understand bacon tastes good, but grace does not erase bad cholesterol, right? It does not, it does not erase clogged arteries. So there's a practical sense here that if you take God's word and you practice it in a, in a practical, physical sense, there will be blessings to it, right? It may not, it, you may, I wrote it down in my notes, you may not become an octogenarian, right? Someone who's lived over the age of 80, 80 to 89. Y'all don't know I knew that word, did you? Amen, I found it, I remember watching it on a documentary somewhere, but I had to look it up on Google how to spell it. I'm not saying if you take a wise Christian, well, all of a sudden they'll live until they're 99 years old, but rather when a, a Christian who takes God's wisdom and applies it to their life, they will live a life that is fulfilling unto God, right? A, a long life in that sense that is filling and pleasing to God. In essence, an honest assessment of the Bible, it can be followed physically. There's health, there's diet, there's routine in there, right? There's that, that we all know the saying, we all know the verse that bodily exercise profit little, right? And a lot of times we like to take that verse and that's my excuse for not exercising. That's my excuse for not, not, not taking care of myself physically. You know, preacher, it doesn't profit little. I can't find a verse in there that says if not doing anything profits anything more. So we have to realize, well, preacher, how come? How come is that why? And, and to be honest tonight, and I'm speaking about myself now, preacher, how come we don't like those kind of things? How come we don't like working out? And how come we don't like taking care of ourselves? Because it takes discipline. And my flesh does not like discipline. My flesh doesn't like those things. Right? You know, Les Roloff, uh, who preached years ago, a lot of people wrote him off, right? He was crazy. He was lunatic. Here's the thing. Les Roloff said a lot of things that I may not practice personally, but I have a hard time discrediting them. As I have a hard time saying, well, he was completely wrong there, amen? Uh, I've heard it said that Lester Roloff believed if you chewed gum, that was a sin because that was your mouth lying to your stomach. 
Right now, I've never heard Lester Roloff say that himself, but I heard other people say it about him. But I do know this. He believed in following the strict laws and the dietary laws there in, uh, in the Old Testament. He practiced those things. Now, he didn't put them over nobody else, right? He didn't say, you've got to do this to be saved or you've got to do this to be a sanctified Christian. He said, but there is a great practical truth here, right? And the same is true in our Christian life. We could all sit back and say, you know what, preacher, there's some things I could do could be doing better, but I'm trying to figure out how to do it. Go to God's word tonight and let those things uh, come to you. I'm not saying it's a fountain of youth, but you will be able to enjoy the time you do have. Right? I remember one preacher saying this. He said, there's nothing worse than a 450-pound preacher yelling at everybody who smokes. He said, because it doesn't make no sense. And the same is true in our Christian life, right? We, we can take God's word and if we practice it and we apply it and we allow those things uh, that God has merely wrote in his word or has written in his word and we apply them in our life, right? There's practical blessings from it. Here Solomon said, listen, it'll, it'll add days, to, uh, uh, it'll, it'll length of days and long life, right? That's wonderful, that's great. But then he ends it with the one thing you cannot find in the world, right? You can, you can go to the bookstore and you can find book after book after book on how to diet, you can find book after book, YouTube video after YouTube video on how to exercise, what exercise is best for you. I remember when I, was, uh, I got up in, in, in a higher weight than I am now. I was almost 260, 250 in that neighborhood. And I remember I, I went to it, my, my, my health checkup at work for insurance, and I was pre-everything, pre-diabetic, pre-heart uh, this, pre-that, pre-this, pre-that. And the lady said, listen, if you don't change things, you know, your, your, your expected age or your, 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 I can't remember what the word was, or your, the, the age that your, your vitals are telling you are saying you're almost 20 years older than what you really are right now. That, I said, I, we got to do something. So me and Miss Becky sat down. We, we started doing keto there for the longest, and, and, man, my body just took to that. Right, those pounds began to just drop off of me, plus the physicality of my work. All that stuff just began to drop off of me to the point where my, my foreman pulled me to the side. And he said, Tate, is everything all right? So, yeah, what's going on? He said, well, we've just been noticing you've been losing a lot of weight. I said, yeah. I, the lady told me I was fixing to die if I didn't change something. They said, he said, are you sure everything's all right? I said, what do you mean? He said, well, people lose weight like that. You know, they're typically on something. I said, well, go send me for the drug test. Right, I'll prove you wrong. I mean, I, just have, I haven't eat, been eating bread. Leave me alone. Right? <laughs> Amen. There is a practical truth that, you know, God's wisdom, yes, applied spiritual life is wonderful. But also at the same time, the physical areas of life, we can take God's word and apply it, amen. And it'll help us live a, a life that is satisfying. But then you notice he, he writes it off, or he finishes it off right there in verse number two with verse number, uh, yeah, two, and peace. You can't go to the bookstore and find a book on peace. You can't go to the, you can't get on YouTube and type in peace and, somebody uh, in Silicon Valley give you a video about peace. There's only one source of peace, and that comes from God's word tonight. So it adds peace to your life. The one thing the world can offer, God has a book full of it, amen? A book full of peace, whether it's through this a, a simple verse or the explanation of an account in the word of God, there is peace abounding from page to page to page. We talked about it Sunday night on the book of Genesis, how God, yes, he dealt with Adam and Eve. He disciplined them and he, he dealt with their sin, but at the same time, he did not leave them without peace. He said, one day there's going to come a Messiah. And so it's what his word adds, it adds length of day, is long life, peace. But then notice what his word attaches. 
Look at verse number three. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. <laughs> Bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thine heart. It's interesting, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. When you go back and you really read that, you realize mercy and truth don't do that. Right? In essence, they don't forsake, but rather it is you and I turning away from mercy and truth. In essence, mercy will help anybody who will receive it and truth will help anybody who receives it as well, who listens to it and applies it. It's only those that forsake it, those who don't listen to it, that they, they can't help. But notice this, well, what is that, preacher? What is it attached? What does God's word remind us of? It reminds us one mercy, God has shown his love towards us. Right, he's merciful to us and he, he ought to have thrown us off into hell, but he didn't because he's merciful. Truth is God is love. In essence, they work, why is God merciful? Well, because God is love. And how do we sense God's love? Through his mercy, right? They work hand in hand in that sense. Notice what he says. He says, bind them about thy neck. In essence, let it be what you proclaim. Lesson, you know, it gives that instance of an ornament coming around someone's neck, a, a chain like we talked about a few weeks ago, that, that you, you can identify who somebody is. But it's more, more like what you and I would understand as, as, as a logo, right? We can see a logo. You see a check mark, you're not thinking about anything else besides Nike. Right, you see those three little slanted bars next to each other? That's Adidas. Right, you see that, that, the, the acronym fixed, repaired daily, circled in blue. What are you thinking of? Ford. Right? You see the bow tie, and everybody knows America runs on Chevy. Right, you see the double D, and you say Dunkin' Donuts. That's what I say at least. Right? You see those things, and right, we understand those love. And in doing so, when you see the logo, you know what that represents. Right? It represents that company, it represents that, that coffee, it represents that clothing brand, it represents that car. And here Solomon's telling his son, hey, listen, when you live life and when you, when you uh, are in God's word and you ought to take it and allow mercy and truth to be seen in your life as you live your life around those, uh, let, let it be what you proclaim. In essence, why am I here? Well, because God is merciful to me. And here's what I have. I have God's truth to share with you. Then he goes on to say, write them on the table of thine heart. Right? Let them be the ornament around thy neck. Bind them about thy neck. And he says, then write them in the table of thine heart. Let, let mercy and truth be what governs and motivates you. Oftentimes we get so sideways, right? We get so, we get so backwards in the Christian life. And right? I'm going to serve God and somebody better recognize it. I'm going to come out here and cut the grass and somebody better congratulate me. Right, I'm going to scrub the toilet like nobody's ever scrubbed the toilet before, and somebody better give me an award. Boy, I'm going to preach the best message I have, and I better have 12 people lined up, Brother Jacob, after the service, ready to, for me to sign their Bible. Right, we want recognition. But in reality is if what we do for God is for recognition, we're not doing it for God, we're doing it for ourselves. But rather, when we do it because God's been merciful to me, and I have a great truth that is found in God's word that ought to be what motivates me. Notice what it attaches. It attaches mercy and truth. Notice what it adds. But then notice verse number four. Notice what his word accomplishes. Here's why we ought to treasure it. Notice what it accomplishes. Look down in verse number four. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God. That'd be great and wonderful, right? We all want to look at God and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right, well, how do we do that? By obeying his word. But not just to God, but notice what it says, and man. Preacher, how do I deal with so-and-so at work? Preacher, how do I deal with this family member who seemingly lost their mind? Preacher, how do I deal with this relationship at church that if it doesn't get fixed, it very well could split the church or cause division that I don't want there? 
Well, the same way you find favor with God is the same way you find favor with man. It's through God's word. Right? It's not just winking at them and saying, hey, it's okay. It's all this kind of thing. We're just going to pretend that it never happened. Rather, it's going to God's word and say, listen, we've got to work on this. We've got to fix this. We've got to get this right and resolved. And we need to go to God's word to do that. So don't forget to treasure his word tonight. Let me ask you, what's the most valuable thing in your possession tonight? Did the word of God come first? Most valuable thing you have in your hands tonight? Did you say, oh, it's my Bible? Or is it something else? Don't forget to treasure his word tonight. Notice number two, don't forget to trust the Lord. Don't forget to trust. Preacher, these are basic things. You ever talk to a teenager? Boy, you got to remind them about the basic things all over again, don't you? Day after day after day. Let me stop picking on all the teenagers. You got to remind everybody the basics now again. <laughs> now and again, amen. Notice this, don't forget the, the, to trust the Lord. Verses five and six are very well known, right? They're on coffee cups. They're on, they're on signs you hang up in your house. Hobby Lobby's made a fortune selling these, this verse. Look at verse number five. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Right, we, we, we go to verse number five and verse number six. We understand what that's talking about. But you also got to understand that verses seven and eight are tied to verses five and six. And so we'll, we'll get into that this evening. So, but the, verse five and six, don't let the familiarity of that verse and these verses cause you to forget how, how great they really are. Right, because verse five and six of chapter, Proverbs number three are great counseling verses. Preacher, I don't know what to do. Preacher, I don't know how to deal with this situation or I've got to make a big decision, preacher. I've got to make sense of a situation. Preacher, I'm not sure about my future. I don't know what I, what, what I want to do 10 years down the road or I, I'm just not sure about those things. You know, in all three of those situations, you can go to verses five and six and get help. Trust in the Lord. Preacher, I don't know about this situation. Trust in the Lord. Preacher, I don't know about my future. Trust in the Lord. Preacher, did you watch Joe Biden, President Joe Biden's State of the Union address? No, I don't like being lied to. <laughs> amen. And I missed the Grammys. Amen. I missed all of it. Amen. And I, <laughs> here's the thing. I don't think I'm any worse for any of that. But notice here tonight, I wasn't, I wasn't going to watch him be like, all right, boy, I hope he says everything that's going to fix something. I hope the Grammys finally get spiritual. Right? Because my trust isn't in those things. Preacher, I'm not sure about the future of our kids and our country. I'm not sure about the situation, this, this relationship, about this decision. I have to trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Right, with all that heart. Not, not our own understandings. But so verses 5 and 8 give us a, a great circumspectual look at trust, right? And when we go through all verses 5 through 8, it doesn't just say, hey, trust. But then it tells us why to trust in the benefits of trusting. So we see the reality of trust, verses five and six. It all hinges on the word all. Let me ask you, can you really say you trust somebody or trust something or trust someone if you're not willing to trust them completely? Oh, preacher, I, I mean, I trust them a little. Well, then you really don't trust them. Right, you really don't trust them. <laughs> if you were to give them your wallet, would you trust that you'd get it back with everything that was in it when you gave it to them? I don't know, preacher, then you really don't trust them. You really don't trust it. See, trust hinges on the word 
All, all thine heart, it says in verse number five. And then go down to verse number, all thy ways, right? It, it hinges on the word trust. That word trust means to have complete confidence and total confidence, all confidence, right? In essence, when we say, Lord, I, I'm gonna trust the Lord. Well, what does that mean, preacher? I'm gonna trust with all, my, all that I am. As best as I know how, I'm going to trust him. Right? Not, not just intellectually, not just a little bit, but all of me is going to trust him with all that heart in all thy ways and all of life's decisions. I'm going to trust him. Whether it's something big or something I deem small, I'm going to trust the Lord for the right answer. And that's not just like, all right, Lord, I'm trusting you. Give me a sign. He's going to say it's in my word. Right? Go to the word of God and, and trust his word that it's going to help you out in those things. The reality of trust then verse number seven, we see the release of trust. Right, look at verse number seven. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And so we understand verse number five and six, all of us and all of who we are and all that we do, we're supposed to trust the Lord, right? Trust in the Lord. But so many of us oftentimes find ourselves in verse number seven. We know what we're supposed to do, but then all of a sudden we think, I, I think I can handle this. I think I'll be okay, Right? Notice what he says right there in verse number five, right there towards it. Lean not on thy own understanding. Here's the thing, you never just fall out, right? You never just collapse. In the Christian life, it starts with a lean. And sooner or later, you can't keep your balance and you fall out. But the problem becomes worse when we become confident in our ability to lean. Look how close I'm leaning. Boy, I'm living the Christian life, but I'm really close. And we see here tonight that he's telling us, he said, hey, son, don't lose and don't release your trust for your own ability, right? Trust in the Lord. Self-confidence is extremely dangerous in the Christian life. We understand that we have self-worth, right? We are worthy or we aren't worthy, but God loves us and he cares for us. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a wonderful creation of God tonight, right? I find my worth in Christ, but at the same time, I've got to realize self-worth and self-confidence are not the same thing. Self-confidence says I can do it by myself. Lord, thanks, but I'm a big boy. I can handle it. He says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Don't excuse yourself or try to explain it away, right? I mean, I understand everybody else before me is falling, but yeah, it ain't gonna happen to me. That sounds like a teenager. And here Solomon says, hey, don't forget. Don't forget that you're supposed to completely trust in him. Real trust moves to repentance, right? Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That's what real trust is. And so we see the release of trust. We see the reality of trust. Then notice number eight, we see the results of trust. This is why you should trust the Lord. Look at verse number eight. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Here's a great application. How healthy tonight is your navel? <laughs> Preacher, what are you talking about? After I was asking Solomon. I was like, Lord, what are you talking about here? I don't even, <laughs> what is my navel? <laughs> How do I know if it's healthy or not? Do I gotta go to the doctor? <laughs> doctor, can you check out my navel, please? I wanna make sure that I'm, I'm trusting the Lord like I'm supposed to do, <laughs> right? So I did what every good preacher does. I went to the Strongs. I said, oh, Brother Strongs is gonna have something good to say about this. He said, the word health means cure. I said, okay, I can get on board with that. And so I looked at the word navel. It did say navel first. And then after it said, 
umbilical cord. I said, what? <laughs> As a father of four or three that were born, and I got to cut the cord on three of them, amen? I know what it is, and I know what it does. It carries uh, uh, supplies and nu- supplies, nutrients. <laughs> There's a blanket going through there. <laughs> carries nutrients to the baby, but you don't live your whole life with your umbilical cord. Right? You're born, it's cut off. You get left with a belly button. And depending on how they clipped it, it's either going to be any or outing. <laughs> but that area, your belly button area, is what we consider the navel. Bible calls the navel. I saw, <laughs> I was in my, I was in my office thinking, like, well, Lord, I don't know what I'm fixing to tell these people. Go check out, <laughs> make sure you got healthy navels. But it also carries the understanding of your intestines. Right? And that, so preacher, that's still ain't making no sense. Let me ask you. When you worry and you get nervous, what body part does that affect? Your stomach, right? Say amen, Brother Jake. <laughs> right? You get, you get nervous, right? Nobody's ever said, boy, preacher, I, was so, I felt like I had butterflies in my elbows. Right? Preacher, I'm so nervous. My toes are in knots. I said, no, I never said that. <laughs> what do we say? My stomach's in knots. I feel like I got butterflies in my stomach. Right? And here's what our Bible's telling us. When you learn to trust in God's word, and you learn to trust that he's going to take care of you, he's going to provide your needs, he's going to help you, you'll spend a lot less time worrying. You'll spend a lot less time in fear of the what if, and you'll say, what if and what not, the Lord's in control, right? It, it gives you a healthy navel. But then he says, the marrow of thy bones. And I thought, man, if I was Solomon's son, I'd be looking, daddy, you're going to have to explain this to me. I'd be down there looking at my belly button trying to figure all this out. But what is, well, preacher, I understand that, that it helps with my worry, calms my nerves and I think it's scientifically proven that there's a, a, a nerve that goes from your brain down into your stomach called the vagus nerve and when you get nervous that's what causes your stomach to act that way and so we understand that it, it goes back to that seat of your emotions who you are right we say Valentine's Day is coming up we, I love you with all my heart right biblically they would have said I love you with all my bowels right because that's how they understood because I've never felt the flutter in my heart Right, I never got nerve. My heart beats fast, but it's always that, that, that feeling in your stomach. We said that learn to trust, and the results of trust, you'll have health to your navel and marrow to thy bones. Right, marrow to thy bones strengthens your stand. See, marrow within your bones helps produce the blood and helps produce the, the, the strength in your bones. That's why in Ezekiel, when he told him to stand over the valley of, of bones, didn't it just say the valley of bones? It said the valley of dry bones. It means that's as they were dried up, there's no longer life in them. They were no longer to do what they were instructed to do. And here God's telling us in the book of Proverbs that when we learn to trust him, right, that which we, he works on the inside of us and that which he builds up in us through faith and through, through prayer and through truth and through his promises, it strengthens our stand. It helps us stand faithfully for him. So don't forget to treasure his word. Don't forget to trust the Lord. 
Are you fully trusting in the Lord? If so, preacher, I'm fully trusting. Then why do we live so defeated and nervous? Are you trusting in the Lord? He said, don't forget to trust the Lord. Don't forget to treasure his word. Notice number three tonight, and we'll be done with our science class. <laughs> don't forget to thank the Lord. Don't forget to thank the Lord, verses nine and 10. Now, you may be of the persuasion that Valentine's Day is the greatest holiday ever invented. Right? It's above Christmas. It's above Thanksgiving. It's above Resurrection Sunday. It's above people's birthdays. And I'm here to tell you tonight, you're wrong. <laughs> Amen. But here's the thing. Some people make a big thing out of it, right? We're, me and my wife were just talking about it this week, how, you know, how some people just make a big thing out of it. And that, that, in essence, and a lot of times it's the men, right? They don't do anything all year long, right? And, and what they do during the year isn't no good. You know, they, they buy their wife a vacuum cleaner for their birthday and they, uh, <laughs> all these kind of things. And they don't pay no attention to them during the year. And they say, you know what? I'm going to make for it up on Valentine's Day. I'm going to go buy a, a bouquet of roses and I'm going to take them out to the most fancy restaurant. And I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to get it all in on one day. Until you've asked any wife, she'd say, I'd rather you just spread it out all year long. Spend time with me every day. Talk to me for a little bit every day. Right? Uh, show your affection to me. Right? And so why don't you spread that out every day? And oftentimes, we kind of do the same thing in the Christian life. Right? We, we have become experts in saying thank you. Matter of fact, we've done it tonight. Right? We, we may have shouted it during the song service, thank you, Lord, or said it during the, we may say it in our hearts during the preaching, thank you, Lord, for your word. And we'll probably even come down the altar sometimes and repeat that same gratefulness. Right? But there's a big difference between saying something and showing something. Right? We can say we're thankful all day long. But notice verse number nine, it doesn't say, thank the Lord with thy substance. It says, honor the Lord with thy substance. And with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. And so we understand that it's more than just saying, Lord, thank you, but rather it's an expression, right? It's an action of one's thankful heart. It's more than just words, it's tied to an action. Well, how can I thank the Lord with action, preacher? Well, notice what he said, with thy substance. Thank the Lord for what you already have. Right, you know what's missing in the average Christian life? That's why Paul said it all those years ago. Godliness with boldness is great gain. Not what it said. Godliness with, with strength is great gain. It's not what Paul said. When he said godliness with contentment is great gain. Let me ask you, if he never did it and gave you anything else, would you still be thankful? Well, I don't know, preacher. I, I, let me ask you, hasn't he given you more than enough already? And so here he said, hey, son, don't forget to honor the Lord with that what you already have, what God's already given to you. But he also said, with the first fruit of thy increase, he said, give thanks with what he will give you. Right, I'm glad tonight that I, we just had a question, what if he never did anything else? And I, we ought to still be thankful. But how many can testify tonight? He has done far more than what he's already done. And so he's still blessing me. <laughs> I can't do it like Brother Roscoe, Brother Jamie. He got to swing, singing at that swing, singing at that, that funeral. He said, God just keeps blessing me and blessing me and blessing me. And I, can, I, can attest, I can't sing it, but I can testify to it. God had, keeps blessing me, amen. And if I'm grateful for what he's already done, then I'll have no reason why not to be grateful for what he continues to do. Right, to, to, to honor him with the first fruits, right? 
Notice what he said, right? He said, hey, you, real thankfulness gives out of the first fruits, not the leftovers. The first fruits, the best. Real gratefulness is thrown in the, the best that we give, not the leftovers. <laughs> I remember uh, going over to eat at Miss Becky's mama's house. And when we were first married and, and, and Raylan was still little, man, that's, that was our lifeline. Right? That's, that's how we survived. But we'd go over there normally on Sundays and sometimes in between that, any time she invited us and sometimes when she didn't. We'd just show, hey, y'all eating? <laughs> well, we timed that perfectly. Y'all mind if we get a couple bites? But sometimes her mom would go all out, right? There would be freshly cooked and, and, and just freshly baked stuff and it would be great Sunday dinners. But sometimes you go over there on Sunday, it was leftover Sunday. And she'd just start pulling containers out the fridge, one after another, and she'd pop the top off and put them in the microwave, microwave them for three minutes, take them out, put the next thing in. Right? And I always how does she fit all that in her refrigerator? It was container after container after container, butter, butter, butter bowls, and, you know, Tupperware, all, just one after another she'd pull out. Right? And here's the thing, it satisfied my hunger. Right? I get a plate that have like a scoop of corn, green beans, Alfredo. Uh, a few pieces of sausage. It'd just be a random mixture of stuff. Right? And I didn't eat it because it necessarily tasted the best. I ate it because I was hungry. But then you go over and there'd be something freshly cooked. Right? Something that, that, that was just cooked that day. Man, it tastes a whole lot better. In essence, if you were to invite somebody over your house, if you were to invite me over your house tonight and you say, hey, preacher, I want you to come over and eat my house this evening. I'm going to ask you, well, what are you cooking? Leftovers. Okay, or if I invited you over. Hey, come eat with us after church. Where are we going? Leftovers. <laughs> Preacher, I ain't never heard of that restaurant. It ain't, it's at my house. <laughs> right, you'd be, you know, you'd be grateful for it. And I think any time that we spend with the Lord, the Lord, you know, is grateful for and, he's, and we ought to be thankful for. We ought to stop down and say, you know what, Lord, am I giving you leftovers? Or am I giving you first fruits? Or am I giving you just simply the time that I have left in my day after I've lived for myself? Or, Lord, am I giving you the best of my day? Right? Because true gratefulness isn't just saying, Lord, thank you, but rather it's thank you tied with an action of giving oneself completely to somebody. Then notice this, verse number 10 attaches our, our giving to God's giving. Look at verse number 10. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Preacher, how come I don't have that new Mercedes? Well, you must not be given enough in the offering plate. It's not what he's saying there. But rather, what the Word of God is teaching us tonight, that when you and I sincerely give to the Lord, and right, we give Him our first fruits, we give Him the best, God's going to take care of us. I'm a firm believer that it's far better to live off 90% and giving God the 10, the tithe, and if not more than that, and you'll watch Him take care of you. You'll watch Him provide for those needs. He'll give us, notice what He said right there in verse number uh, 10, so that barn shall be filled Somewhat. Scraping by. He said plenty. You mean it's going to be busting at the seams? Well, it all depends on how you look at it. Go to that widow woman in Elijah's day. She went down to her last hand cup or a hand, hand, handful of meal and a little, little oil. Right? I, I don't think when she went back to the barrel that it was overflowing every time she went there. 
But she found out every time she went back after honoring God and the man of God, she'd go and she'd scoop out another, uh, another handful, another handful, day after day, day after day, until she literally died. I think you'd ask her, did you have plenty? Oh, she said, oh yeah, I had plenty. I think the same is true today, right? We, we think, well, if I'm giving, then, then my barns ought to be busting at the seams, right? But to be honest with you, the Lord has given you and I plenty, far more than we deserve tonight. But notice this, it'll give us plenty to satisfy our every need, but then he'll give us new wine. Down there in verse number 10, in thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Kind of talked about at the beginning of the service or how when you and I truly give to the Lord and we, we, we express our gratitude through giving to him, giving him our first fruits, you won't have to live off what he did 20 years ago. Well, I remember 20 years ago, I, I was on fire for the Lord and God used me. It was a wonderful time. You better say, you know what? Just this week, craziest thing happened. I called the doctor and they said they didn't have my bill on record and told me to quit calling them. I I went out to the the mailbox and right there in the mailbox there was a small check from an insurance company that I never knew existed saying that I'd overpaid and so they were giving it back to me. My boss came and said, listen, everybody else, we're cutting their hours back. We're We're gonna let you keep a full schedule. Right, you'll sit back and you'll say, I won't have to live off what happened 20 years ago. I remember talking to a man who bragged on what he did 20 years ago. He said, well, I preached and the altars were full three times back. I said, well, what are you doing today? He said, let me tell you, I, pre- I said, that's not what I'm asking you. What are you doing today? What you, what, how has God blessed you now? Let me ask you tonight, when it comes to giving, are you giving God your first fruits? Did you forget to tell him that you're thankful today? And did you forget to show them how thankful you really are today? Hey, don't forget to thank the Lord. Don't forget to trust his word, treasure his word. Don't forget to trust the Lord. Amen. Basic things, but we can't forget them. We can't forget them because they're essential in the Christian life.